welcome to Kenyan Voices, a podcast by Kenyans for Kenya. On each episode, we discuss news, issues, and current affairs. Our contributors focus on a theme about which we feature stories of everyday people. In other episodes, we shall bring you guests, probe them about their life stories, experiences, lessons they've learned, and how to make a difference. Um, so here we are, episode one, and uh, what we'd like to do before we go too far along, we'd like to get everyone introduced. Uh, 30 seconds, Max, uh, why don't we start with you, uh, Mashera? So my name is Mashera Sawi, grew up in Kenya, and then I went to high school there, I went to college at Jomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology, and then... Uh, I moved to the States, so I've been in America for the last 10 years. I'm a civil engineer by profession. I've trained as an agricultural engineer in Kenya, and then I came here and trained as a civil engineer. Uh, and I live in Austin, Texas, uh, which is in the southern uh, U.S. How do you like it in Texas? Uh, I love it, I think. But obviously, there's that side you've had. I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Uh, Stacey, you're also in Texas, right? I am now, yes. I just moved like two days ago. So my name is Stacey Migui. Um, I am a safety and health, I guess, manager, specialist, coordinator, whatever you want to call it, my profession. Um, I came here when I was a child, so um, it was probably about 11 11 years old. Um, And I went to primary school in Kenya, and then I came here when I was like in seventh or eighth grade. And then I did all my education until grad school here. Um, I lived in Kansas, uh, like Olathe, Kansas, most of my life in the U.S. And then um, we kind of moved around to Wichita, Kansas City. Uh, but that's about the gist of it. Okay, excellent. Well, I guess you're not in Kansas anymore. You know, if I had a dollar every single time someone said that, I would have 15 by now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, now we're going to go to the motherland, um, and, and well, by the motherland, it's Africa. Do you want to start with South Africa? How about ladies first? Fiona, um, South Africa. Uh, cool. So my name is Fiona. Um, uh, Kenyan. I grew up in Kenya, went to school in uh, Nairobi, and went to high school in uh, Kabarak. Then... Um, I went to USIU where I did my my degree. I worked in Kenya up until six years ago when I moved to South Africa. So I'm in marketing, I work for a bank and um, they moved me here to work in the regional office. So it's been six years, I live in Johannesburg. Yeah, happy to be here. Excellent. Last but not least, Buonamatico. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Uh, thanks uh, Evans. I'm Matiko Riro. I'm a medical doctor by profession, uh, based here. I've uh, been in and out of the country for studies mainly. Uh, so, you know, I did my my high school undergrad here in Nairobi uh, before get, going to London to do my master's. Came back, worked for a bit uh, before heading to Norway to do my PhD, which I'm currently doing. So I'm currently in and out. Uh, of Kenya heading to Norway. Oh, nice. So you, you kind of are in the diaspora. Uh, yeah, I could say every once in a while. Um, yeah, yeah, but I think the, the experience so far has been good. 
so it's largely been in Europe um, and you know in Europe um, it's sort of quite a different mix especially when when you're talking about what the experiences that you guys have in the US all right. Well, um, myself, Evans, my name is Evans Wambua. I have lived in North America seven, well, actually 11 years. Uh, seven of those were in in the U.S. and then I've been here in Canada for four years. Um, my background is in mechanical engineering. Um, I'm uh, in, in the energy field right now. So, you know, just to give you a, a background of, of what it is that I'm about. Um, now let's let's get into it. Uh, very very interesting. Actually, uh, Matiko, you brought up something that might uh, you know might be uh, a good way to, to segue into our first uh, question. Um, you you referred to the experiences that we have here in North America, and and I think it's it's kind of interesting the fact that uh, the the experience of leaving your home country uh, can be you know, uh, is, is, is something that's done all over the world. However, um, the, the point that we, we're trying to get across now is is how that action, just the action of leaving where you were born or where you were raised comes across. Uh, to help us with this, uh, we came up with a, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a, an easy way to frame this discussion. Uh, and essentially, it's it's three different terms: migrant, immigrant, and expatriate. Essentially, they all describe the same thing. They describe people who have left where they were born, where they were raised, and moved into other countries. However, um, I'm I'm sure, and I'm I'm hoping that you know you can all attest to this. There is a connotation or a perception in those three words. So, question. What do you think about that difference, Matiko? Let's let's go. Migrant, yeah. immigrant, expatriate. I, I think to a large extent, especially from uh, the level of interactions I've had, uh, either first leaving the country to Europe and spending some time there, the image I get and every the questions that a number of people ask me, it always gives an impression that. You know, how long are you here? When are you leaving? So there are certain subtle ways of just asking uh, questions that lead to you feeling that you're here for a short time. So you, you inherently, someone is trying to, to, to poke that whole question that you have a place, you're here, but you should be going back. The, the, but, but it's a bit different from my colleagues when, you know, I've worked quite a number of organizations here in Kenya, you know, most of which uh, have a bit of maybe Westerners. It's a little bit different because the whole feel is, um, if you, you know, if you look at not only at the labels, but if you look at even the privileges that are granted, uh, you know, to, to a number of them when they're coming over and you look at certain things around visa restrictions and the ability to to navigate through the workspace it becomes much easier and the label given to them and by perception it's 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 implicit that they probably know much more or they have higher skills of introducing into the system as opposed to you getting out there where there's this whole feel that you probably you know you came for a short time and you're leaving so 
you know, it's very implicit in terms of how these things look like. But you know, when you interrogate them further and get to listen to the to some of the nuances that come out of it, you'll come to realize that there's usually a difference when I'm, I am in Europe and when probably my colleagues or the other, you know, maybe Westerners that I work with here in Kenya, how this whole comes out. I think for me, it, it's really nuances uh, around these three terms. So you you literally will not, you might not really pick it up when you're out there, but if you actually listen and get you know, some of these words that come out, it's something that really, uh, you know, it can implicitly describe what these terms are. Excellent. Now, th th there's something you hit there that I, I think is, is important. A lot of important things regarding the nuance, first of all, because it, it's a nuanced discussion. No one ever comes up to you and says, explicitly says, this is what I think of you. You kind of have to pick it up in the subtext. And, and, that's, and that's exactly where we're heading with this. It's, it's a nuanced conversation. And maybe some people who haven't left Kenya or who haven't been, uh, who haven't been in a foreign land being surrounded by people who are curious, it, it might be a good, uh, it might be a good precursor to that, to, to kind of understand what these people are trying to process about them. Um, the question about how long are you here, and I think that's a question that all of us have been asked for quite a quite a while. Uh, but I think maybe Stacy might be the best to uh, to to give us another the flip side of that because when kid people kids don't ask such questions, right? And I'm guessing you. you oh, but they that. do. Yeah. What's that? Oh, but they do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 I mean, Stacy, I'm 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 guessing no one's really uh, questioned you as to whether you're an expatriate or an immigrant or any of that. You know, expatriate is not something that's used in the U.S. That's mostly, honestly, with, like, Europe and um, Africa. Because here, like, if you ask someone, are you an expatriate? They're like, what's that? Um, I guess with here, it's usually immigrant and, you know, whether or not, you know, a migrant. Um, but it's interesting to note that immigrant is only ever used when you come from a country with, like, black and brown people. No one would ever think someone from Norway or, or the UK is an immigrant. They usually don't get that label. They usually get, oh, you migrated here. So um, that's something to kind of take note on, that usually immigrant is assigned to black and brown people. Rarely would like a European from, you know, a country where they look like what the typical European would look like. So like Eastern Europeans would also be considered immigrants, you know, because they usually don't quite look the same as maybe you know, people from like Nordic countries. So that's usually something to kind of note. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how you come into like the explicit versus implicit. Like, so implicitly not, nobody would ever ask like someone from a Nordic country or explicitly they would never ask. And they're like, oh, okay, you're from the UK or you're from Norway or you're from Sweden. Okay, but then they never would be lab labeled an immigrant even though they technically are. Okay. so. Very important distinction there because, I mean, I've obviously lived in the U.S. Uh, for however many years, a uh, uh, long time ago when I did. Um, and, and you're right. Yeah, so people who look different. So if you're a minority, uh, visible minority, let's say, um, then the question is automatic that, you know, hey, uh, where, where, do, where do you really come from? Um, but but let, me, let me say this. Let me ask... Fiona, because she is in a, uh, an interesting situation uh, because she is a foreigner in a land where everyone looks like her. So, so um, having, having heard what we have said, Fiona, yeah. what is, what, how is it different or how is it similar in, in, uh, in South Africa?
I think uh, the one that that definitely stands out is expatriate because when 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 you hear expatriate, you think of someone who's coming here for just a short time. You find most expatriates would be would be here on short-term contracts, like a year or two, um, and then the eventual. Um, aim is to is to leave once the fixed term period is over but migrant and immigrant more connotes uh, people who would stay on longer so either you've come for school and then you've gotten a job and you've ended up staying or you've moved for work and it's it's a more long term it's a more long term plan so for me those those would be the differences i'm really struggling to differentiate between migrant and immigrant Mm-hmm. Although I see that the technical definition is that migrant is moving within regions, immigrant is more moving across countries. But I guess in the African context, you know, like you said, I'm still in Africa and I really, really appreciate that, you know, I'm still with Africans. So to me, it's not so far removed as if I'd moved to Europe mm-hmm. or the US, for example. Okay. So for me, it's, uh, and it was for me, it was definitely an easier transition moving. Yeah to South Africa. I had a question for, for Fiona. South Africa does host a large population of people from Zimbabwe, right? And so my question would be, between their interactions, do South Africans always think of people from Zimbabwe as immigrants, um, or do they sometimes consider them expatriates? So I think I think with Zimbabweans, as with a lot of other neighboring countries from South Africa, there are a lot of um, different ways that and different you know levels that people come in. So um, yes, there are those who come. You know, they're working in you know in other in Zimbabwe, for example, and you know you you're moved here by your company and you're coming here on a short-term contract. So the term would still hold. Because you do find you do find those you know those kind of movements happening a lot, but of course the majority of movements would be people coming in and staying longer term. But that's actually a very interesting question you pose because we don't frequently use the term expatriate, but when we do, it's mm-hmm. more um, you know like Stacy said, it's more related to people who are coming from Europe, for example. But we don't we don't typically use the term expatriate. And so to your point, I mean, obviously, um, thinking about it now, um, expatriates are mostly, you know, the term is commonly used to refer to people that are highly skilled. And so um, in the developed world, um, they consider or, I mean, they, you know, they, they think of themselves as highly skilled and highly educated. So the term would obviously be more prevalent in um, developing countries like obviously Kenya and so that makes sense in a way um, um, and that's I think in my experience why it may not be a term that's commonly used in a country like say the US yeah but but, but interesting Achira, uh, you know it's it's not only within the let's say the the African Kenyans who use that in reference to people who have come in from the West who are working within with these organizations actually refer to themselves as expatriates. 
and uh, you'll in in their groups you'll hear them say, "Oh, I'm going to this place. You know, this place is really cool. It's being you know, it has quite a lot of experts. Mm-hmm. You know, so it has it it has inherently meant you know." You're living in a certain area. You'll hear them. Oh, yeah. I think you could you could move to that place because it has a lot of experts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. So you know, it's not, it has just been you know it has just been part of the conversation for quite some time right now. And the mm-hmm. most interesting thing, probably to add to that, is whenever when you know when when I'm in Europe, uh, you hear question being asked. Do you plan to go back? It's an yeah. interesting it's an it's interesting nuance because. It's prompting you to think about going back if you look at it from another perspective. But I, I rarely hear this question being posed to, let me say, the experts in quotes who are in Kenya, where, <laughs> because I guess it simply means that we obviously expect them to go back home, but that question is never raised. So I'll be surprised to hear any person who lives here uh, ever saying that he's ever been asked that question. But in Europe, that question I'm asked all the time. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm from Kenya. Then the next question will obviously be, do you plan to go back? And uh, the same thing happens here in North America, too. Uh, it comes up. But I've also found myself asking people. So whenever I was in graduate school, there's a lot of foreign students, especially from Asia, Indians and Chinese. And, you know, whenever I was talking to them about when we were about to graduate, I talked to them and asked them, so um, so do you plan to stay or do you plan to go back? But I think the context is uh, important here because for me, I'm there with them. I'm an equal almost because I'm a student as well. And I'm, I obviously came from a different place to this country. So I think I can differentiate that compared to another, just a random person out, out in the street asking. And they do ask, they do ask, do you plan to go back? And then the other thing that I would want to say about this is, and anyone who's lived, who's lived here, like Stacy or, or, or uh, Evans, there's one thing that you guys may not know uh, that outsiders that... In America, even though an Indian, someone of East Indian descent or Chinese descent has lived here for several generations, like, you know, your grandparents came here or your great-grandparents came here, you will never be really considered an American. They always ask you, you, so you were born here and you meet somebody out there and they ask you, so where are you from? And you're an American. I mean, so I um, I don't know how I would feel to constantly get asked that question when I've lived here all my life. My parents were born here, but that's one the one thing um, that I find sometimes really disturbing is that you can live in a place and never really be accepted, even though you've you know you've been here many generations. And uh, interestingly enough, the Americans of African descent, you know, popularly referred to as African Americans, they don't get that question. They are more sort of accepted here uh, than, you know, say people of Asian descent, uh, and which is something that I find interesting. I don't know what you guys have to say, Stacey and and uh, Evans. Well, it's probably because you can. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go, ahead. go ahead, Stacey. And then it's probably because you can track them back to slavery, and so um, you already know they've had. 400 plus years of being here whereas with Asians you know it came from building the railroads and then um, especially like I don't know if you know the whole history of Japanese internment camps and whatnot so I think you know historically if you look at it black people have you know one place that they came that they came from and that's slavery and so they don't get that question um, but they still have an otherness in that no matter how long you know, they've experienced strife here, they're still not full-fledged citizens, you know, like they're still three-fifths of, the, of a person 
um, even to this day and age where, you know, discrimination, whenever it comes, you know, up in conversation, you know, it's like however many years after slavery, they're still kind of facing all the issues that they faced back then. So yeah, they may not ask, they may not be asked the question, oh, where are you from or do you plan on going back? But they're still treated as an other. So basically what you're trying to say is that they face more more serious issues um, than obviously just a perception thing that, that Asians face. With African-Americans, it's a more systematic thing that's going on with that. Exactly. Okay. Well, excellent. Good points. Good points all around. Um, just to, so to wrap this up, I think what I'm hearing is that um, the, the, the terms themselves may not be used as much, uh, especially in North America. No, expatriate is not used very much. Uh, but the the intent or the the underlying the underlying question that is maybe not as explicit is uh, uh, an acknowledgement of your origins and and so for example if you meet someone they they say well I you know it's it's kind of obvious you're not from here so you must have come from somewhere else now that that goes both ways let's just be let's just be honest about that you know you you you're in kenya you meet someone who doesn't have the physical features you would have you know you'd expect of a kenyan let's say for example they have white skin right for example you you might ask them so where are you from are you are you european are you american are you australian so the question is always asked and then when you go farther is when you that's where that's where the the nuance lies the assumptions because um, also, I've, I've heard someone say that you know that the length of stay you know, is is one of the bigger questions. But let's be honest: the length of stay is not necessarily a preset thing. There's only very few people who move uh, to a new country knowing exactly how long you're going to to stay there, uh, and that means either you have uh, a definite contract, which, by the way, contracts can be extended, and and for the most part, people don't know how long they're going to be there. Uh, but then there's also the, the question of when, when someone asks you, are, are, are you go, when do you plan on going back? I think from what I'm hearing, it sounds as though the implication is um, if, if you came here for the good life, do you really think you can go back? It's not really are you, do you, when do you plan to go back is, you know, you like it enough that you're not going to go back, right? And then, and then you say, well, you know, I intend to go back in two years or whatever. So the length of stay. Now the other uh, misconception maybe we we might address is um, the the expatriate thing. The expatriates very regularly become immigrants, but they never. I I, I guess there's there's never that acknowledgement that oh now I now I've moved here uh, for life. Uh, and I'll give you a good example is Kenya, and we all know that there's a lot of uh, international organizations that are, you know, in Kenya and whatnot. The laws of Kenya as they are right now regarding pensions is that pension income is not taxed. So there's a very good incentive for those people to stay on, which is okay, uh, but then... Uh, when, you, when you flip the script, uh, you, you can kind of see. But... But uh, interesting, very interesting discussion up to that point regarding the, uh, the perceptions and, and, and the lingo. But let me ask this, uh, which is a question that was asked by, was it, uh, was it, was it Shakespeare who said, a rose by any other name would still smell as sweet. Um, so, Fiona, <laughs> you've, you've been quiet yeah. for a while. <laughs> does, it, does it matter if you are called one thing or the other? 
and why? Um, so I think for me, it doesn't really matter. I think um, for me, the reality actually is that I have moved to this country. It is not my country. And um, as much as I integrate, I know, and I, even I myself would still refer to, you know, I've gone home, I'm visiting home, I have people coming from home. So I know that um, this is not home for me. It is where I live which is home as well, but, you know, I still consider Kenya home. I don't really take offense to people asking me whether I'm staying or I'm going because, like Mashara said, I ask people that question as well, especially if they have just moved. I'm like, oh, welcome. So, you know, how long are you here for? And it's to be expected. Um, so I was speaking to a friend yesterday and they were actually telling me, um, so this friend is South African, white South African. And uh, they they went to Brazil, and when they were in Brazil, oh no, sorry, it was Argentina, and you know someone asked them where are you from, and they said I'm from South Africa, and the guy was like, there's no way you're from you're from South Africa because you're white. There are black people in South Africa, and so she was, she tried to explain no, there are also white people as well in South Africa, and she is maybe what third generation, fifth generation um, South African, but still facing the same question. So I think the the question is universal. It's, it's a question to be expected. For me, there is no offense. Okay. And, and I think, uh, like you said, I think sometimes, you know, like we, whenever I moved to the, to America, I didn't know I was a black person. You know, this is one thing. <laughs> <laughs> These are some things that you deal with the first time you leave your country. I mean, in Kenya, growing up, there's we don't we don't distinguish people in color. Uh, and so you, the first thing you move here, you exactly. just watch, you just watch the news a little bit, and then you realize, okay, so I'm a black person. Mm. And so I think your guard goes up, and the more you live here, the more your guard keeps going up. You should get your antenna up, and the things that didn't bother you so many years ago, now all of a sudden, you are bothered by them. Yeah, and and Machera, I think you've said something something interesting around the antenna, and so. Mm-hmm. How I perceive the antenna story, let me use that kind of connotation that you've used, is, you know, um, uh, especially I find certain people react, overreact to certain nuances based on how, how alert their, maybe their, their racism radar is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or their past experiences or what they have heard about certain experiences. And I guess, I guess probably mine could be very low in terms of, that, that kind of radar because I remember at some point while in London, uh, the, you know, uh, this, this uh, one of the guys in London Metropo- Metropolitan Police stops me for what they termed as a random check to check on my my tickets uh, for you know get before getting into the train, and uh, you know, and I felt like that's fine, but I think there was uh, there was this other f- friend of mine who black spent most of his time in the UK, he, he literally, you know, burst out and said, you can't do that. This is profiling. So I have a feeling that probably when you're naive, uh, that yeah. you just got into that kind of a setup, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit, uh, you know, some of those nuances, you might miss them out, which is good for everyone, because then you, you know, you, you know, uh, everyone is, you know, okay. things, things, 
things are calmed down. Everyone gets along. <laughs> yeah, no, I com completely agree. And I, so I was going to say something about um, about motives. So I think another interesting thing is what, what people attribute your almost your reasons for moving. You know, do they, sometimes they think because there's a perception that if you're coming here, you know, you're coming for, for better opportunities, which may necessarily be true, but I'm always of the opinion that it's not that I didn't come from nowhere and it's not like, like I don't have somewhere to go back to. So I'm not, you know, because there's a perception of no, but you you come here and, you know, you're lucky to be here. And a funny story actually is that, uh, so when I moved here first, there was a colleague from in the same team who was from Mauritius and she was, she was um, joining the same team that I was. And so people would, would ask, oh, so where are you from? And I'm like, oh, um, no. So they'd ask her, so, oh, where are you from? And she's, she says, I'm from Mauritius. And you know, Mauritius, beautiful place, you know, lovely island. And, um, you know, we all want to go there on holiday. And they go like, oh, so why did you come? I've always wanted to go to Mauritius. And then they ask me, uh, and where are you from? I'm from Kenya. And they're like, oh, oh, okay, that's nice. Uh, you must be very happy to be here. <laughs> and it was funny and not funny, uh, because I guess at the time we're in the news for all the wrong reasons, you know. Um, and then people think that you're running away from something. But then I, I go like, I'm not really running away from anything. I was asked to come here and um, if, you know, if it doesn't work out, I go back to my country. So it's not that I'm here because I don't have options. I'm not, I'm not, you know, it, it's just, it's just for me that this is an opportunity that opened up and I took it. Um, but I guess that's the, that's the, that's the nuance as well, that when people are coming from Europe or, or the US, for example, coming into Africa, the perception is that they have, options and they, they're choosing to be here but that when we go to those places that we are perception that we are yeah we are desperate we're we're you know we're we're lucky to be there you know and it's it's not always a fair you know depiction of the situation yeah and um i know that i i didn't come here i was not desperate to leave kenya there i know that there's there are people who uh, a lot of people who sometimes want to leave Kenya and come here, but I wouldn't say the same thing about myself. But obviously, whenever if you're from Africa or uh, Latin America or um, Southeast Asia and you move to the West Western world, they always perceive you to be coming from a very desperate situation. And this applies to us too. When and I know there's a lot of um, Africans living in the Middle East. And I've had experiences. My wife once told me that, she, you know, whenever she was flying through, um, I think it was Abu Dhabi or, uh, yeah, on her first trip to the U.S. And so she's there at the airport and she has this um, Ethiopian girl she's met on the plane and, you know, they've been chatting. And so whenever they alight the plane and uh, want to take the next the connection flight and they have some issues that they need help with, they walk up to a desk and they're trying to get these people to help them my wife purity is the only one who could speak english the ethiopian lady obviously in ethiopia i don't know what it, how it is over there but they didn't cheat her english was really bad but this lady was fixated on the ethiopian lady and she was not even trying to listen to what purity was saying 
Um, and so it's, for a long time, she didn't know what it was until, again, she lived in North America and then started understanding all these, uh, the underlying issues. Um, so, and that's one thing I wanted to point out. Um, and very, very good points all around. Now, one thing that, um, and maybe this is kind of, um, this is how I see us getting actionable advice, you know, for example, for, for people who've lived here long enough, people who've lived away from home long enough, people who are considering moving away from home, um, there, there's always that, the, the one thing you can guarantee is that you're going to be in that conversation at some point or the other. I'm just going to share what I think it boils down to and what you can do about it, like actual steps or actual things you can do about it. Um, I think it boils down to power. And, and in any conversation, and Mashi and I talked about this the other day, in any conversation you have, well, depending on what the context of the conversation is, there are some conversations that cannot, ex- cannot exist uh, without a power dynamic, right? So, for example, if, if someone's questioning you about your legitimacy or, or you know, or wants to know more about why are you here, right? And that's, that's the big, it's, it's the underlying question. Wouldn't you agree that just by answering the question, you're kind of submitting to to them? You're acknowledging exactly. that they have they have You're giving them power. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It may so, not yeah. be you no know, like authoritarian power or anything like that, but it's some kind of qualification. You're qualifying to them why you're here. Now, the the problem is sometimes they themselves are not aware that they're exercising some form of power because. If I ask you, hey, uh, do, you, do you know where when the bus number 95 comes? There is no power dynamic in that conversation. You know, there's just, there's, in fact, if anything, the person who's answering the question might have more power than the person asking the, power, the question. But, hey, you know, how long do you intend to be in this country? There is, it, it, it might be subtle, but there is some level of power dynamic. Now, here's what I think. I think... The best thing anyone can do is is just to exercise or, or practice social social maneuvering right uh, tact and skill in answering questions like that because here's probably what two outcomes of that situation you could recognize what's going on and you could you could get bristled up and escalate it which is a no-win situation most most of the time the person asking you that question has no interest in escalating the situation uh, sometimes they're just ignorant that there's a power dynamic. So what I do, first of all, you have to learn the uh, the local culture and the local way that people interact. And then you use that to reverse the situation on them. It's a little thing called a pressure pressure flip, right? So someone asks you, so, you know, what are you, you know, what are you doing here? And it's like, oh, man, just I'm here for the wings, you know. Say you're in a bar and say, oh, you know, what brought you here? Well, I came here for the wings. <laughs> and, and even though you both know what you're talking about, you also kind of, what, what 90% of the time, and, and I'll get to you, Stacey, 90% of the time, what that'll do is that it'll force them to think about the question bef- and then they will ask it again. So, so that's, that's kind of what, how I think, this is kind of my version of, of actionable advice to to people in that situation. Uh, Stacy, go ahead. Well, I wanted to say, you know, I've gotten that whole question, where are you from? What are you doing here? Where's your last name from? 
And so I personally got tired of answering it. I guess the correct way is what I would, you know, I would say. Um, so I started answering it in kind of a stupid way. So they'll be like, where are you from? And I'll be like, well, my mother's womb, where all of us are from. And then you'll be, they, you know, they would ask, where's your last name from? I was like, clearly my father, because that's, you know, your parents <laughs> name you. And, um, you know, it just got to be a point where, you know, it, it becomes excessive, especially, you know, if you've been here for a really long time. Yes. And so, yeah, I learned to answer questions like that. And usually by like the second or third answer, they just let it go. Uh, but, but just let me interrupt you for a little bit there. Um, that is that is perfect. But sometimes and, and this is not all, the, all always the case, but sometimes you actually want to preserve whatever relationship you are. You, you, you want to be cordial either because <clears throat> the overwhelming presentation of that person is nice and they've just moved moved over into an area they're not familiar with I, I guess let me frame the question this way are there times when you see a benefit in diffusing it in a more friendly way without also conceding to that power dynamic that is my friendly way of diffusing it. Because <laughs> my non-friendly way would be, what do you want to know? Why do you want to know that? And how does it benefit you to know where I'm from, where my last name is from, etc.? So that is actually my non-confrontational way because it's gotten to a point, yeah, some people, you know, depending on whether or not it's at my workplace, because at my workplace, I'm not going to be rude to people, yeah. um, you know, but if it's like out in the store or, um, you know, I go pick up one, just a couple weeks ago, I was going to pick up a package and, um, yeah. you know, my last name was on there and they were like oh your last name is different where it's you know where is it from and i just straight up uh, my father and so you know <laughs> it, it, it makes people pause too because then you wonder what are you asking for and how is it beneficial to you to know where i'm from yeah. now you know where i'm from and then what now sometimes sometimes they're just breaking the ice <laughs> okay what you I, I think it's very interesting especially that question when it comes to me who you know i've you know uh, while in London or in Norway, being in a very international school with, you know, in London I was in a school that had probably less than 20% Brits. So we're talking about over 80% were non-Brits coming from all over. And the Africans who were there were spanning probably across 30 countries. So to a certain extent, I will probably step back and, you know, people asking this question is probably someone from Ukraine or someone from, from Poland asking this question innocently. So to that extent, I think I'll let it slide because I'm imagining it's a whole friendly conversation, given that they are also new to this country. They are, you know, they're trying to learn. They, they just want to know places. They have never heard of, of a place called Kenya. They've never, it's an experience for them to get to know someone from that. It's out of curiosity. And the same thing I experience in Norway currently. So. You know, you meet this, and, and I'm sure you know, Norway is it's largely very white uh, country. Amazing people will ask that question, and I feel for them is out of curiosity that they, they it's just just interesting that they have found someone from you know from a random country called Kenya. Let me give an example of a question that this Norwegian guy walked up to me and asked, which I found very strange to answer. So he said, uh, he starts by saying, "I don't mean to be racist." But um, do you speak Norwegian? I, I really didn't know how to react to that. I think someone, <laughs> someone, with, someone with a high radar for racism will pick that as, as probably offensive. But I, I let it slide because I imagined he'll just be curious uh, because he wanted to probably, he was comfortable speaking Norwegian to me. 
But then, you know, once I said no, then we continued with an English conversation. So, I, you know, there are quite a number of other contexts when you think about it that probably you, I largely let it slide uh, for me because I just imagine they just being curious. They just want to know about me or they just want to know about where I come from. And to a large extent, they also don't know this country because they're new. Hmm. So, so Fiona, uh, you heard what Matiko said, and, and he's, his experience, uh, what he's talking about specifically is when he is in Europe, uh, and, and you have these people who, well, you have Europeans in, in general uh, will say that to him. Now, for you, it has to be a little bit different because you're, there's, two, I, I, there's two sides to it. On the one hand, you're black, like every other black South African, but you're also a foreigner, you know? So, so how, does that, how does that work out in, in South Africa? So, yeah, look, so actually, this is why I love South Africa. And South Africa has been great to me. Um, I've not 100% blended in. In fact, maybe not so much because I can't speak the language. So, and I always find South Africa is a very interesting country because they have um, 11 official languages. And um, wow. That's a lot. Um, you know, there's English, there's Afrikaans, there's Zulu, there's Swana, and all these all these languages. And somehow you find Black South Africans speaking to each other. And I always get so fascinated watching them, because this person speaks this language, this person speaks this language. They meet. This person is speaking this language, and somehow they understand each other. And I, I always get so fascinated to watch now. For me, of course, being black, I'm always being spoken to in one language or the other. And um, very and, quickly and they that realize mean, that. By that, you mean I one of the respond. local languages? Yeah. Yes, one okay. of the local languages. So, you know, and I, I am I'm, I'm unable to engage in that language. So it, it immediately becomes obvious that I'm not. And of course, that opens up a conversation of so, what language do you speak? Because then the assumption would be if you don't speak, uh, Zulu, for example, then maybe because the languages are grouped, you know, so there are some languages that are similar. So the assumption would be that you speak another one of. And I say, no, I don't speak any of those. I speak Swahili. Oh, Swahili, where is that from? Uh, are you from Kenya? Are you from Tanzania? Are you from Congo? And um, I always feel that it opens up the, 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 the opportunity to. Um, you know, to have a conversation about where I'm from, you know, I'll tell them, no, this, yeah, I'm from Kenya, you know, and this is where it is. And for me, it's an opportunity to educate people about where I'm coming from and what my country is about, because then they'll ask, you know, even my driving license, I still have a Kenyan driving license. When I'm stopped by the police and they ask for my license and I give them this and they're like, where is this from? And I go, you know, this is from Kenya and you know, this is, this is, you know, it's open conversation. This booklet is yeah, from Kenya. Booklet. <laughs> it's a very, yeah, guys, I, I think we need uh, <laughs> a different design for that license because it's even hard to find your yeah. name in there. But yeah, so I think for me, it just, it, it, it opens up, it opens up a conversation and um, it gives me an opportunity to you know, talk to people and sometimes you even say, oh, no, I've always wanted to go to Kenya. What should I do when I go and where should I stay? And I say, make sure you go to Mombasa, make sure you go to Lamu. And it's an opportunity to engage about my country. So I don't, I've never found that it has been an issue. Um, but of course, you do find people who will ask, you know, with an ulterior motive, you know, intending to 
you know, exclude you in one way or the other. But for me, those are the, the exceptions rather than the, than the rule. But what I was going to say um, is that I think we're also guilty of it as well in Kenya because whereas we may not have, we're all from the same country, for us, I find it's about tribes. So you'll actually find someone, you will ask, someone will ask your name yeah. and then I'm like, I'm Fiona. Then they're like, Fiona who? Well, <laughs> of yeah. course, you know why they're asking that. And because that they happens. want to know exactly where you're from. And, that and they're so guilty even, of it, you know. That happens even when we live when here in North America, like if you're in a group of Kenyans, yes, same it's like Kenyans. Yeah. Yes. Like even if you're, even if it's Kenyans here in South Africa, you know, you'll find mm -hmm. someone asking you, where are you from in Kenya? You know? <laughs> so I think and, it's just and, and the, not the human condition. Yeah, no, Nairobi will you know, not. So you say Nairobi, the, but then, I, and this is such a common response. I say I'm from Nairobi. They say, nobody's from Nairobi. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody is really from Nairobi except Maasai. Are you Maasai? And I'm like, ah, you don't know if I am or not. But um, the question is there. Yeah. You know. But do you guys so think that's generational? I think it's just the human condition. Sorry. I'm saying, do you guys think that's generational? Because I know personally, I don't usually ask people's tribes, and I've found that you know, people under a certain age don't quite care what tribe you're from, or that doesn't even come into question until maybe they see your last name or you're talking about, oh, I'm going to, you know, Araratio versus, you know, whatever the different tribes version of Araratio is. So do you guys think that's more so generational? Because with people like 30 and under, I have never, that's never been like a question that they've asked me, like, what tribe are you from? I think um, it's generational, Stacey. If you ask me, at least, but that's my opinion. I think it's generational. Older people are notorious. And really, most of the time, they're the same people who will bunch up together in a gathering of Kenyans and decide to speak their mother tongue in complete and total disregard of any other person who may be in attendance that doesn't understand the language. And, and I think some tribes are also more notorious than others. And it may be because they're just more of people from bigger tribes than they are smaller tribes so they are a bit more but i think yeah you're right i think in the sense that this may be generational younger people don't care personally if you ask me where i'm from i find it a bit offensive but i answer it anyway because i'm from a smaller tribe so it's not i am taking that opportunity to educate you because most of the time people don't know where korea is i think it's somewhere in the coast um so i don't Mm -hmm. I may take a little, a little offense because I know where exactly they are going. Yeah. This is a this is a tribal thing to where you want you have a stereotype, mm -hmm. and you just want to put this person in that box. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, here's here's the thing. Here's what I think. I think yes, it's a, it's a generational thing, uh, but it's not only a generational thing. It's also human. By the way, the whole thing, all of this, what we're talking about, whether it's immigration and these are all tribes is what they are i know in kenya it's a little bit of a a little bit of a touchy subject because we you know we like to consider actually the communities as tribes but really yeah. the tribe is just the, whatever bigger I, collection you belong to and yeah it is a generational thing yeah but it's also an age thing in the sense that when you're younger it doesn't mean much but the older you get the more attached and then it's you know it's we can go into the psychology of it but it's all about trying to find your origins and trying to understand who you are and how you came to be where you are 
and 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 then the question is is it a good thing or a bad thing i don't know i it it's that that could be answered with another question as to do you want life as it should be or life as it is um it, from where i stand i think life as it is life as it is is just it's you're never going to avoid that question of, of tribe um wh- whether whether by tribe you mean the actual kenyan community where you come from or as an african or even just as a member of whatever professions yeah i'll give you a very short example in 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 my um line of work there is there's a lot of distinction but there's two very distinct distinctions that people make and that's between engineers and technicians right and and these people get tribal you you think that you know people kenyan people in kenya get tribal of uh, <laughs> you speak this language i speak the other language and and it all boils down to you know i i want to feel acknowledged i want you yeah. to, to acknowledge that my work as an engineer sitting behind a computer designing things is important and the technician will answer this and say well you can design all you want <laughs> but until i go and actually make it happen um you know so that's a tribal thing but, yeah. but to answer to answer the question whether it's a it's a generational thing yes it is but it's also an age thing the older you get the more significance it carries in your life i think um looks like we're we're getting close to that one hour mark maybe in conclusion uh what we can do is we can go around and uh yeah uh, just i mean we don't want to be the doom and gloom committee uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure it's not all doom and gloom so so maybe we can we no. can take this chance to uh to to highlight some positive things that you've seen i mean we all have between us gosh i don't know years and years of experience um yeah, maybe maybe highlight something that you think is a positive thing that came out of you leaving your home country and you know uh ladies first we'll do that sure okay mm-hmm. so i can go first so um so i think for me uh, i think diversity is a beautiful thing and for me um migration and immigration are so important because the world is becoming a global village it, it already is and it's important for all of us to integrate and you know um understand what's happening elsewhere in the world and my experience has been great for me uh it came from a point of um and i think everybody should travel everybody should pursue whatever opportunities there are uh my experience has been great for the most part south africa has been good to me i've you know i've learned a lot i've grown a lot and i, I definitely would would you know recommend the experience for anybody else um i think maybe there's also something to be said for you know for your your home country and where you're from um south africa is one country where they've held on to their to their traditions um you know their languages and their dressing and the food and the symbolism and it's always so beautiful to watch because i feel like that is something that we've not done very well as kenyans apart from the maasai you know the rest of us have sort of uh lost it along the way and being here has really you know opened my eyes to that and how important it is so um yeah i think you know diversity is great and we should you know embrace where we are but also embrace where we come from and and make sure that people know and you know and we are proud about who we are and what we represent as a country 
Perfect. Excellent. Yep. Who, who wants to go next? Well, there's only one more lady. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just checking to see if you're awake. <laughs> Um, well, I guess with mine, I didn't much have a choice to leave, but uh, the one good thing is that I consider like more than one place my home. So whenever people ask, you know, whenever I say I'm going home, it could either mean I'm going to my parents' house, which I consider home, or it could mean I'm going to Kenya. So I guess um, having more than one home to call home is like important. Um, because, you know, should something go wrong with the home here, at least I have another home to go back to. And, um, you know, with all the problems that the U.S. have, which is a lot, um, I have to say this is like the one of the few places where you can, you know, come and build a comfortable life for yourself and, you know, kind of be content in what you have and not have to come from money. Because, um, you know, in Kenya right now, it's like if you don't come from money, like, pretty much where you're at is where you're going to stay and it's not always the same thing here so I have to say that's one good thing about here and um, you know just the fact that I have so many places to call home because for me home is just where my family is and you know whether it's my extended family or my immediate family I can always say like I have a home here I have a home there um, and you know should something go wrong I have somewhere to go home away from home home away from home away from home because <laughs> then my own place is also my home yeah. Right. Excellent. Okay. Um, Matiko, go ahead. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, I've largely been, you know, my longer stay out of, out of Kenya have largely been in search of education, uh, mostly in Europe. Um, uh, you know, and I've had the privilege of traveling up to now. I think I've done about 25 countries. Um, you know, and one of the things I, in my movements and my, and my kind of, uh, you know, travel, what has served to do is maybe build something called cultural competence to a level where I'm about a point where I appreciate every bit. And that, to a certain extent, might make me, you know, a lot of things that let them slide. So I'll go to, Ni- I'll go to Nigeria and you tell me, oh, yeah, this is a meal of maybe mongoose and, and porcupines. But I'm like, that's fine. If you guys are eating it, then I, it should be fine because you've been eating this for you know, and you're still alive. So, uh, so the movements and to take it positively around how much can we take from from the experiences that we're having with different groups of people is building that resilience, building the understand the cultural understanding, and try to see the strengths of how we can build, uh, you know, our generations, especially in Kenya. What kind of things can we get from that? And given that. Uh, these, especially the two countries, uh, Norway and and the UK, have given me the opportunity to study um, and get me to interact with as many people from different backgrounds. Is in itself a strength, uh, you know. I, all the kind, the kind of nuances that I get, they tend to build my, they, they tend to build my sort of a viewpoint because when I am having a conversation with a group of people who probably have a different way of looking at things, I think that that whole kind of experience helps to build a viewpoint. So, I mean, it's, however it might look like it has a negative connotations or negative nuances, it has a way of building um, a viewpoint that in the, in the long run helps, uh, you know, you develop as a person. That whole interaction helps you to, to learn more how to interact with other people and how to appreciate the little things of, 
your your very existence and the humanity as a whole. Mm. Excellent. Kutembea kwingi kwa na mengi. Yeah, okay. Kwingi, 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 kwingi. Uh, Mark, do you want to go or do you want me to go? I will go uh, first. Um, number one, I'm not eating any mungus as, as long as then. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mungus. <laughs> but as Fiona said and as Matiko said, really, there's something that comes with traveling the world or living in other parts of the world uh, it just enriches you as a person and you learn uh, a lot of experiences from different cultures and if whenever you meet someone who has traveled or lived in another part of the world they're very different people and um, I don't think that's my experience I've spoken with people who think the same thing even just if it's a soldier or military person who has lived in another part of the world just for, for work they really are different people. And so that's a really intriguing thing. And I think that just for us getting the opportunities to live in countries where we're we are not from, it's something that I don't take for granted. Um, in terms of culture, this country is a melting pot of different cultures from around the world. But you know, going back to Fiona's point about appreciating our culture as a people, especially Kenyans, I think we've, we've, kind, we've lost it a little bit to where we appreciate foreign cultures more than our own cultures. And I don't know, it's a thin line to where I know we also have a problem of tribalism. Uh, but then again, you don't want to um, lose your culture just in the guise of fighting tribalism. But I feel like we, we do, we have lost some of it. But I would imagine that the solutions would be very basic. I know like for for instance, this podcast is a Kenyan podcast, but we are, we've spoken 98% in English and not Swahili. I couldn't have done Swahili, but yeah. So anyway, I have lived here for quite a while now, and I can say that in spite of its issues, it's a beautiful country. I didn't look to come here, but I, I, I don't regret coming here, you know. And uh, I think that's all I have to say. Okay, for me, it's uh, it's it's been up and down, but I I really just to focus on the positive. Um, I think for just from the beginning, my my whole stance was adventure seeking i said you know what I'm, I'm going to go out there where i don't know anyone i don't know anything i mean relatively speaking and uh i'm going to challenge myself and see what i can do with it um it, it it's 11 years now and it's it's impossible for me to have seen where i am now in terms of just development and growth and uh just being able to you know explore uh in many ways being the first person in your family to leave, uh, well, I mean, immediate family anyway, um, opens up a whole new uh, world for people behind you. I have two younger brothers, and um, I, I don't want to say it's directly as a result of me uh, choosing to be adventurous, but they, I, I can see that they saw that and, and rose to it. Um, in fact, <clears throat> both of them have... It, the focus is not really about where they are, what geography they chose to pursue, but it's kind of a little bit of a point of pride for me because when I chose to, you know, kind of go off the cliff and then just let my wings develop uh, as I plummet down towards the, the hard ground, 
when I chose to do that, they also chose to do that. So right now, my parents are empty nesters. There's no one in, there's no one at home. All my, uh, all their three kids are out there in the world doing whatever it is they're doing. And I think that's maybe not everyone's as adventurous, but I think uh, just if you have that and you pursue it and you um, you decide to take on the challenge, it it grows you in ways you didn't even think that you could grow. So. Um, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the, uh, the opportunity to be able to, to, to leave my immediate family and my immediate country and the familiarity of home and to be able to, you know, go somewhere new and form a, a new, form new ways of, of looking at life. If I, if I had to do it over again, would I do it? Absolutely. So guys, uh, thanks for for coming. Uh, thank you all for um, uh, for attending my TED talk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>